All right, here we are, another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode. Brian Peacock here of Locked On 49ers. I am with Matt Williamson. He is the host of Locked On NFL. He also does the Dynasty Blueprint podcast, which I love. Former NFL scout. Matt, thanks for joining me today. It's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing awesome. It's been a fun off season. Uh, I'm expecting a child that's due very soon here. So that's an extra little bit that's going on alongside. Yeah, thank you. So gearing up for that, doing these daily pods. um, Yeah, having a good time. That shouldn't create any problem early in the football season. No, I I shouldn't have any problem doing a daily (laughs) podcast either, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, So for for my list. I'm sorry. Is this your first? Yes, it is. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's a game changer. I know. I'm kind of prepared and unprepared at the same time which i guess is standard yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) um so for my listeners who don't know can you talk a little just real quick about your uh your life as a scout you started off in college as a scout right university of pittsburgh is that where you started then ended up with the browns yeah my professional career since i've been doing this professionally i I haven't had a quote real job in like 15 16 i guess close like 18 years living the dream i was yeah I, i was a recruiting assistant at pitt I'm from Pittsburgh. I live in Pittsburgh for three years. So that was Antonio Bryant's last year and both of Larry Fitzgerald's years. So I helped recruit Larry. I left Pitt when Larry left Pitt. So that draft class. Um, I went to Akron as the director of football operations there, but only lasted about nine months or so because while I was at Akron, one of the jobs that I had done, you know, as a new staff was kind of build a relationship with the Browns because they were right down the street. It's only like a half hour away for people who don't know. And they got in touch with me and they're like, well, a lot of, you, you know, you know, a bunch of people, Matt, do you know anyone that would be interested in a scouting position? We're looking to hire a guy. And I'm like, yeah, me, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I went and, and interviewed with the Browns, got the job. I beat like 40 or 50 people for it, which, you know, that was you know a prestigious job, obviously, wow. and be in the league. And we proceeded to go two and 14 and get fired. Um, as is often the case, but Butch Davis was a head coach to give people a frame of reference. I got hired when Kellen Winslow got drafted right the day after. And I got let go and was part of the war room that drafted Braylon Edwards. So my Pittsburgh fans that I tell it was Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year. So my hometown Steelers were 15 and one. We were two and 14. And when I got let go, I got hooked on to ESPN through Scouts Inc. at the time, and I was at ESPN for 10 years, pretty really long stretch there. That was great. I mean, 10 solid years of an NFL analyst, and they had all kinds of cuts, as everybody knows, and I was one of those people whose contract wasn't renewed, and I've been doing Locked On NFL ever since, and a bunch of stuff around the web, and finally got tired of doing so many, writing for so many websites. I started my own a couple months ago, WilliamsonFootball.com, and I also... I have a pretty prominent role with Steelers Nation Radio. So I've been at their mini camps or their OTAs broadcasting and I'll be at mini camps and up at training camp and all that good stuff too. So that that Braylon Edwards draft, that was 2005, right? That was the Alex Smith Aaron Rodgers yes. draft if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Um, we had the third pick in the draft that year. Okay. And so was there any quarterback talk in your war room? I don't know how detailed you could get in any of this. Was there an Alex Smith versus Aaron Rodgers conversation? Kind of and the Browns collectively and myself included had Rogers ahead of Smith. So, you know, but neither were in the top three for us. And Braylon was our number one overall player. And we had just brought, we had just brought in Jeff Garcia 
I know it doesn't sound like much of a stopgap, and it wasn't. <laughs> we probably should have been in the market for a quarterback. And the year before, they drafted Luke McCown, who they were really excited about as a long-term guy. So they probably should have been in the market, but Braylon, they thought, and myself included, was the number one player in the whole draft, and to get him at three, they were pretty happy. So let, let's keep with the draft theme here and talk about the 49ers draft in 2018. Uh, how did you see this draft from a 49ers perspective? Um, they sort of created a new hole by having this trade that was uh, obviously was in place before the draft, and then they were able to draft Mike McGlinchey at number nine, traded uh, Trent Brown to the New England Patriots. Uh, how do you feel about that long term? Is that an upgrade at tackle for the 49ers and the rest of the draft for San Francisco? I like Brown a lot. And I think he's a high-quality player. But I think the key here, and this has really been reflective over the last two years, is everything is being built in the Shanahan mold. You know, and Shanahan, through Kubiak and his dad, wants lighter-on-their-feet, agile, active linemen. And that's not Brown. I mean, he's 360 pounds or whatever. And he's agile for 360, but not agile for a Shanahan tackle. Right. And so... I thought they overdrafted McGlinchey a little, but tackles don't grow on trees. And he can maybe be the successor at left tackle before long, although I think Staley's playing well and isn't going anywhere. So I think it made sense, you know, that just getting a, a long-term starting tackle, hopefully, in your mold is very valuable. I totally agree. And at the time, I was thinking, yeah, maybe someone that I thought would be ranked in the 20s just on, you know, just... The yeah. prospect that McGlinchey was, and then you're like, okay, he's the best tackle in the draft. Great scheme fit for what the 49ers are doing. And and then you see sort of that upside where, okay, he can move that well for someone who's 6'8", long arms, fits the athletic prototype, even though he was a better run blocker than pass blocker. But there was just some, there might be just a, a few minor things he could, he could fix up and be really a great pass blocker as well. And then all of a sudden you have, oh yeah, okay, if he's a franchise left tackle, that's a no doubt top 10 pick. Yeah, and... More so than in some schemes, the ability to be a great run blocker, particularly in that zone scheme and on the move, is highly, highly important to them. And I don't know, they probably would never tell you this, but I do think if there would have been a premium edge pass rusher there, they would have went that direction. Or maybe if there had been a true number one wide receiver, they would have gone that direction. But there wasn't. So, you know, take a tackle that's hard to find. Right. Yeah. And I tend to agree there on both those counts. I think it was, you know, Bradley Chubb off. He's, he's there. I, I bet he's the pick, no doubt, uh, at sure. number nine. But um, yeah, McGlinchey's the guy there and he's going to be the starting right tackle from day one. He's the starting right tackle for the 49ers. So that is set. Uh, they continued on offense. And actually, I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the fantasy impact of this and the dynasty stuff as well. You got Dante Pettis, who, again, like McGlinchey, might have been someone who, if you looked at sort of the national media and the rankings might have been overdrafted slightly at where he was selected moving up in round two to take him uh how do you see Dante Pettis in the NFL yeah and I like him I think he's going to be a versatile guy some people I respect really have him highly rated I think he's going to be a very good returner could probably play outside and the slot good with the ball in his hands good ball skills there's a lot to like However, I mentioned that number one receiver thing. I think that can't be overlooked, particularly in the fantasy dynasty world, because the Shanahan system has taught us that daddy, you know, Brandon Marshall, Andre Johnson, Julio Jones. I mean, look at the Kubiak Shanahan top wide receivers. And I understand that those guys don't grow on trees, 
but it wouldn't surprise me at all of whoever the number one wide receiver is on the market free agently free agents ends up in San Francisco or they trade up in the first round and grab one of these stud you know t- receivers coming out so I think Garcon is your number one for now, but I think that piece of the puzzle hasn't been built because we can't build it all at one time. You know, I mean, Lynch and Shanahan only took over a little bit ago on a roster that needed everything, and they just haven't landed their true number one yet. But I think that'll be a priority next offseason. We've got a Locked On NFL, Locked On 49ers crossover podcast. Matt Williamson, former NFL scout. He is the host of Locked On NFL and also the host of Dynasty Blueprint. So we want to continue talking about a little bit of fantasy stuff, especially as it relates to the 49ers right now and also get into the NFC West uh, a little bit later in this conversation. Okay, so looking at the long-term dynasty impact here, and and you got Pierre Garçon. If you're in a redraft league, I think that's sort of a, a pick that could be uh, very valuable, and he's not yeah. going to go along. You know, he's not going to go uh, with the Julio Joneses of the world. He's going to go later, and you have a potential Kyle Shanahan number one, over, one number one wide receiver with a very good quarterback now in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's a player that a lot of people could potentially steal in fantasy drafts. I do too. I think he'll get a lot of targets. We'll be in a good offense. I don't know that he's the long term answer, but he's going to be your pseudo number one and get peppered with targets, as Julio did, as Andre did, but not to that degree, obviously. Right. And so Dante Pettis, he's probably the you know the the backup. It looks like he's he's working at multiple positions in the offense, so he might be the first backup for Garcon or for Marquise Goodwin or in the slot for Trent Taylor. But right now he's kind of the number four coming in as a rookie wide receiver. He was the fourth wide receiver drafted uh, in the NFL draft. I gotta imagine he's gonna go much later than that as far as wide receivers are ranked in dynasty fantasy rankings. Uh, in that mold, um, I'm pulling mine up now, and in the dynasty world. My wide receiver ranks go DJ Moore, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, and then a little bit of a gap, um, Cortland Sutton, Anthony Miller, uh, James Washington, Michael Gallup, Antonio Callaway, who's a really, really talented guy from the Browns that only fell because of, you know, off the field issues, and then Pettis. So in rookie drafts, he's pretty much going like the middle of the second round in the 12-team draft. Okay, top 10 wide receiver, but but not quite as high as his, his draft status was. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I think that it's hard to envision him being a highly targeted guy, especially if they, they do add another prominent guy there a year from now. Right, that's kind it of... was the, my logic behind it, yeah. That makes sense, because if... And I totally agree with what you said a minute ago about Pierre Garçon. Right now, he's the number one, but he's got some big escalators in his contract, and he's, you know, not the youngest guy. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's probably not the long-term guy. So if he leaves and then they add another player, might end up being the number one ahead of, say, Dante Pettis, who might be, you. it would look like that he would be next in line, but maybe he's not and stays in more of a number two role, returner role, which could be very valuable for the 49ers. But you're looking long-term fantasy, still might not be that number one guy. Yeah, I think that's well said. Uh, one more guy that I think is going to make a fantasy impact here, and I don't know where... Uh, I think he should be ranked on the fantasy world, but man, he could be huge both as a receiver and a runner, and that's Jarek McKinnon. If he's the number one guy, I mean, uh, can he have the same impact as some of the running backs had in Atlanta for Kyle Shanahan? I think the key here is he's an excellent receiver, and he's an ascending player. I mean, for people that don't know, and I, I don't know, I assume your listeners do, but maybe not all mine do on a national scale, McKinnon was a quarterback in college, you know, a small school quarterback, running quarterback, who lit up the combine and is an ex, you know explosive 
supreme athlete and hasn't had a lot of tread taken off his tires yet because he's been sharing the backfield. And I think he keeps getting better and better and better. And you go back to the what Shanahan wants from the position, and this was very, very clear in his time in Atlanta. He wants to be able to detach this guy. He wants to throw many targets his way. And money talks. You know, they gave him, what's he, the second or third highest paid running back in the league? Yeah. They're going to use him like crazy, and I think he's going to produce really, really well. Yeah, and his teammate at Georgia Southern, uh, who was a freshman, I think when Jarek McKinnon was a senior, is uh, Matt Breida, who's also now a 49er, who's going to be his backup. So you've got that Georgia Southern backfield working for you, both 4-3 guys, and I think that's one of the clear things we've seen with Kyle Shanahan. He likes athleticism, whether it's an offensive tackle, running back, uh, wide receiver. These guys are all supreme athletes that he's bringing in. Absolutely, and he also, going back to Atlanta, doesn't mind at all featuring two guys, you know, and using them on the field together and in a variety of ways. Quick question for you, though, being closer to the Niners than I am. I'm not ready to dismiss Joe Williams either. I mean, just this time last year, the world was buzzing about the guy. And is it time? Is he come and gone? No. And talking about dynasty drafts, Joe Williams was sort of a darling of dynasty drafts thinking, OK, this is the next right. Shanahan back. Um, and he got hurt, kind of ended up with sort of a red shirt year. There's still questions whether, well, was it work ethic stuff or was it just straight up the injury? Because some people thought maybe the injury wasn't bad enough that he would miss a full season, but he pretty much got a red shirt year and there were some red flags with him about his passion for the game coming out of college. And so, but you know, he fits the profile athletically and Kyle Shanahan had a lot of good things to say about him this off season coming into OTAs and things. Okay. And so, uh, he's definitely not out of the picture. He could be, uh, it's just very volatile stock right now. If you can buy Joe Williams very low, I think that's a fantastic uh, way to go in dynasty leagues because, or even redraft leagues, you know, put him in that, uh, in that waiver, um, in that waiver watch list, but he's got the skills and Kyle Shanahan liked him enough that he, they traded up to get him in the draft. And he said he wouldn't have been able to sleep at night if they didn't draft Joe Williams. So that's how much he liked him coming into the draft in 2017. And so uh, he could go anywhere from being, you know, splitting time with Jarek McKinnon this year, uh, potentially being the starter above Jarek McKinnon if it turns out that contract is, is too much for McKinnon in a couple of years, or Joe Williams could be cut by the end of training camp this year. So that could go yeah. in a lot of different directions right now. That's completely up in the air, but I definitely would not count him out. I think he's the better. I like Brita, but I think Williams is the better running back. Yeah, he's the better talent. Uh, Breida is a little smaller, more of a scat back, but Breida looked really good coming down the stretch last season. I mean, and, yeah, part of that is the Garoppolo effect. Everybody, both sides of the ball, uh, people were Rises pun- all ships. Yeah, people were punting and kicking better when Jimmy Garoppolo showed up. It was the weirdest thing. Like the offensive line blocked better because he got the ball out quicker. The defense got the ball back to the offense more often. It, it was pretty insane how dramatic that flip was when Jimmy Garoppolo showed up so and Matt Breida was one of those guys who looked really great down the stretch and a lot of people thought maybe he'd just be the number one guy coming into this season before they signed Jarek McKinnon yeah a very interesting situation and they do have a couple you know we'll we'll see who all emerges absolutely yeah it's going to be fun to watch those guys compete and a lot of speed in that backfield so there's not like oh for sure it's not like where you need a thumper and a speed guy because they're all speed guys Right, they all can catch. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's absolutely. Huge. And Jarek McKinnon's a really good pass blocker too, which is why I think yeah. that, that was probably one of the part, one of the things that Kyle Shanahan liked about him most. 
Yeah, and he has a toughness about him that your fans are going to like. Right, and he's not he, he's he's short, but he's not necessarily undersized. He's one of those guys where it's like he's oh, powerful, no. he's built, and so he he might not look like the biggest back, but he's not necessarily a scat back either. Absolutely, but he can play the role of a scat back, which I think they like. Yeah, you bet. Uh, you are listening to Locked On Podcast Network. Remember to listen to our daily national show hosted by my guest today, Mr. Matt Williamson, Locked On NFL. And this is part of the number one local daily sports podcast network. Okay, we got to get on to the NFC West here and now sort of reshuffle this deck with the NFC West. And I'm interested to hear uh, from you, someone who really follows every team in the league closely, your perspective on where the NFC West is. I, I, my guest yesterday was Grant Goldberg of Locked On Seahawks. Uh, and then I had Brad Motter on last week of Locked On Rams. So we've been talking about uh, some of these rosters and, and how things have changed for the NFC West coming in. The 49ers obviously are building this thing. Um, they didn't go all in and, and add a bunch of free agents and, and try to necessarily go into win-now mode like the Rams have. Uh, I think the, you have to expect on paper that the Rams are going to be the number one team in this division. But the Seahawks retooling, uh, partially rebuilding. There's still, you know, Earl Thomas holdout. He's still in involved in trade rumors and stuff. So uh, how does this stack up for you? Where are the 49ers? Did they gain enough ground on the Seahawks and the rest of the division to be competing for one of these playoff spots at the end of the year? Yes and no. I mean, I think we can't have this conversation without saying the NFC is so ridiculously loaded right now. You know, that even right. if the Niners play like a playoff team, come in second in their division they may not, they still may be a game or two behind in the wildcard race. I mean, just because there's so many good teams in this conference. If the Niners were in the AFC, I would absolutely pick them as a playoff team. Now I don't know that I will. Um, as for them versus Seattle, I know that's been a long time rivalry and it's come and gone, but I think they're well past Seattle now. You know, I think these teams are going in opposite directions. With, with all respect to Russell Wilson, I do think they're absolutely rebuilding, even if they don't say so. And they got a handful of star players still, but they need a lot. And, you know, they, they've shipped out a lot of very good football players. Um, where the Niners are building slowly. You know, well, they're building fast, but they're not going all in. You know, like they're smart with their contracts in that, um, you know, they're, they're front loading a lot of them too, so that they can keep buying in free agency year after year. It's an improving, ascending team. You know, you look at the bar graph and it's going, or you look at the, the, the trajectory on the graph and it's going up and up and up and it continued to, will. I still think they're behind the Rams who clearly are in it to win it this year. I mean, you talk about star power and the best offense in the league last year. Now this was a defensive offseason. I don't know that the Rams are the best team in the league, but I think they're in the conversation. Um, and they, I will pick them to win the division. And I like Arizona. And I think Rosen will be a star, and getting David Johnson back can't be forgotten about. I mean, he's a monster, and it's a good defense. So I think they're better than most people realize. Like, I think their over-under win total is like five. I think they're more like a seven or eight win type of team. But I don't think they're a contender. I think that's I don't great. think Seattle's a contender either. Yeah, where do you see Seattle? Do you think they're going to be a team that really has a wake-up call here and has to be like, okay, we might have to completely rebuild this thing. I mean, they still have the coach and the quarterback in place. You I think mean, they got new coordinators. They 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 really got rid of a ton of foundation pieces, and Earl Thomas still could go. I look at Seattle as like a five six win team this year. Okay, wow, yeah. So that's I don't think they're a contender, and that would be huge for obviously the 49ers 
helping them leapfrog some teams, you know, with, with them also coming down as as the 49ers right. are ascending there. Um, you mentioned Josh Balance Rosen. Balance power has changed in that division. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Josh Rosen, and I thought that was sort of one of the, the low-key best picks in the draft for them to be able to absolutely. move up, and they gave up, what, like a third and a fifth or something? It wasn't like one of these things. Very where little to yeah, go get a franchise quarterback. To go get a franchise quarterback. who I, He was the fourth quarterback off the board. Uh, to me, he was better than the fourth quarterback available, too. So I thought that was – um, he was my second, actually. Your number two? Who was your number one? Lamar Jackson, which I know I'm kind of on an island on. Okay. But, uh, he was, you know, so I know that most people did not have Lamar Jackson as their number one. But of the guys that went in the first half of the draft, Rosen would have been my first pick of that group. And if you look at what Arizona, you know, has done at that position, they signed Glennon, they signed Bradford. I mean, they're looking for a pocket passer. And to me, Rosen was the most pocket passer-ish of all of them, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And probably the closest to being ready to, to jump in and play, Absolutely. even though uh, Baker Mayfield actually, I, I kind of want to get into this a little bit with you at the quarterback. So Baker Mayfield was, you know, the senior, the, the redshirt senior had an extra year from transferring. So he was what, at least two years older than most of these guys. And so when I was looking at these quarterbacks, uh, obviously Baker Mayfield was the better college player and he was awesome. And I, and I get all the love for Baker Mayfield. Uh, I liked him a lot more. When I thought, oh, man, look at this guy. He's a little bit too short. He's going to be a steal at the top of the second round. And then it was like, right. oh, wow, okay, he's just going to go number one overall. And, and, like, I'm not totally against that pick or anything. But if you look at it through the angle that he's two years older than all of these guys, imagine how good Lamar Jackson would be two years from now still playing college ball, right? Or Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. Right. That That's humongous. You know, yeah. I mean, look how much those guys have improved. Darnold turned 21 the other day. <laughs> you know, I mean. There's a lot more football in front of those guys. And for some of those reasons, Mayfield was my fourth ranked quarterback. I liked him more than Allen, but I, I like Darnold and Rosen and um, Jackson more, obviously. Uh, it shocks me that he's even really in the conversation for first overall. And I'm not saying he's a bust or he's not going to be a good player, but first overall pick, you know, I mean, yeah. we're, what were we talking about Mayfield this time last year? Like you said, nice day two guy. Maybe he can come in and be Case Keenum. Right, yeah, and, and he everybody he was getting compared to were people that were picked late and overachieved. He was getting Jeff Garcia comparisons, you know, a lot of the Manziel stuff. Um, right. But, yeah, so he's the oldest guy. He's not Drew Brees. No, exactly. He was getting those, and it was like, well, you got to slow down on that. And right. uh, so, and actually, I heard a story about Drew Brees a long time ago. This is like an old-time rumor. I can't even find an article online that confirms this, but... At the time, I was right when I was first starting to follow the draft, I remember Drew Brees was a guy that, that Bill Walsh, and he was still around in charge of the 49ers, and he wanted Drew Brees to come out early in the draft, and he was going to select him number three overall. Drew Brees stayed at Purdue, and then that was the draft where, uh, that was the LeVar Arrington draft, and then the 49ers were at three. They ended up trading down and taking Julian Peterson, Ahmed Plummer, and a few other guys. But okay. the rumor I heard was that, that Drew was the Brees. Michael Vick first overall year. Yes, yes. And um, no, it was the year after, right? No, wait. no was... because San Diego ended up with Tomlinson and Breeze. And I think, and they. I, oh, yes, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That was the Vick year. So the year before that was the year that Bill Walsh wanted him to come out early so he could okay. take him number three. And, uh, and I can't find any substantial stuff about that but this is back at the time this isn't like a hindsight rumor that i heard later this is like something i remember at the time being like okay this is this is the guy that bill walsh loves and when i heard that i started really watching drew Brees when he was a senior the next year and i was kind of blown away and he's obviously he's not tall but i was blown away that he fell to the second round it was like this guy's 
a really good quarterback, and he's like has everything you look for. And then sort of another uh, feather in Bill Walsh's cap that he was right about Drew Brees, even though uh, he didn't have a chance to draft him after all, if that story is true. That's funny because I didn't think it would go down this alley, obviously, with the 49er podcast. <laughs> and I had never heard that story till just right now. But as the second you said it, I said, oh, I bet Walsh would have loved Brees. You know, and, and here's why. I mean, your fan base knows this. But what did Coach Walsh, Coach Walsh preach more than anything was accuracy, you know, knowing where to go with the football, Montana-esque anticipation. type of you know, anticipation, deadly accuracy. Like, that, it needs to be six inches in front of the numbers. Not eight, not 12. You know, like, this is where the ball needs to be. Breeze is probably the most accurate passer I've ever seen. And even more so, Coach Walsh used to say, I could lay on the ground and just watch Montana's feet or any quarterback's feet, and I'll tell you how accurate a passer he is. <laughs> and people don't know this about Breeze, and this is actually something Mayfield shares with him, but Breeze was an exceptional tennis player. And what is tennis player all about? Keeping your great footwork, almost like a quarterback. I think he beat someone who's... Someone Google this for me. Drew Brees beat one of the best tennis players of all time when they were in college or high school or something like that. Like he was a great, great player. And I bet Walsh would have adored him. Yeah. And, and so that rumor makes more sense when you look at it uh, under that lens. It's like, oh, yeah, Brees would have been that perfect West Coast offense, Bill Walsh type of yeah. quarterback. Um, and you mentioned tennis. Josh Rosen, also a stud tennis player, right? Was he? Okay. Yeah, he was a, he was a stud tennis player, so that kind of makes sense. He was uh for a, quarterbacks it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting story. I'm definitely gonna go look that up now and see who uh, Breeze beat in tennis. That's an awesome story. Somebody really good. I just don't know anything about tennis or I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can't help there either. Uh, <laughs> probably wasn't Pete Sampras or something like that. Uh, he was too old. Um but yeah, I th- I think we're out of time here, Matt. Um that was a really fun conversation. I, I didn't yeah, expect to go down that again. road, but uh, that that was great. Yeah, let's do it again. Absolutely. Okay, and also, can you tell people where to find that newest venture, your new website? Yeah, at williamsonfootball.com is my site, um, and I'm at WilliamsonNFL is what is Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. LockedOn49ers.com is the place to find other articles about the 49ers as well as all the streams of the podcast and where to subscribe. And, of course, both of these podcasts on iTunes on Spotify, you can find all the Locked On Network podcasts just about everywhere. And also tune in to Matt's other podcast, Dynasty Blueprints, a fun one for you fantasy guys. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Uh, Always fun to chat with you. Let's do it again, huh? Absolutely. This was a blast.